Arthur Brown, Mysteries. Adventures in excitement and suspense, based on the best-selling novels by the slick storytelling sensation, Carter Brown. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Carter Brown with another of my stories for you, a venture which I call The Widow is Willing. It's the account of an insurance investigator named Mark Hunt who finds himself marooned on a lonely island in the company of an assortment of characters, male and female, one of whom could be a murderer. For my money, I prefer being locked in a lonely room with a typewriter, but there's no accounting for tastes. Well, here's Mark Hunt and his story. When you get to the edge of the world, there's a river, and in the middle of the river is an island. That's where the Goldbrights live. It was a raw night which made you think of vampires and things that go eek in the night. There was a moon with low clouds scudding across it. I'd given the old character who owned a boat five bucks to row me across. He pulled at the oars, and I watched the solitary light on the island getting gradually larger. Nearly there. Yeah. Goldbright's been living on that island long. He and his father before him and his father before that. Yeah, what did his father before that do? To get banished, I mean. It's some sort of Yankee joke. Sort of. How did they get to the mainland? They got it launched. You should have let them know you were coming and they descended. <laughs> Not for me, they wouldn't. They ain't expecting you, huh? That's right. Too bad about Henry Goldbright dying like that. Uh-huh. Stepped over the balcony outside his bedroom and ended up on the stone jetty, 50 feet below, they say. Uh-huh. The Goldbrights get on all right. Together, I mean. Uh-huh. Yeah, talkative, aren't you? We're here. Yeah. You go up them steps and then on up to the house. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. If I want to get back to the mainland again in maybe an hour's time, will you be around? Around world's end at night, you must be crazy, mister. Why? You stay here long enough, you find out. Not a place to be by yourself, not at night. Take your back. Goodbye. The old guy pulled away and was lost in the night. I picked up my case and started up the steps which led to the path which led to the house. A gaunt, grey building. World's End. I thought the name was appropriate. As I pulled the bell rope, I wondered what Mrs. Goldbrot would be like. Fragile, white-haired, with a quavering voice? Or more probably tough and hard and thin-lipped? Yes? This, I presume, was Mrs. Goldbright. She wore 15 dernier nylons, black. She wore a form-fitting dress, black. And since she was a blonde, the black did things for her. And for me. She may have been a widow, but she was also a wow. Yes, what do you want? Mrs. Goldbright? Yes, I'm Mrs. Goldbright. My name is Hunt, Mark Hunt, from Excelsior Insurance Incorporated. Yes? I'm sorry to worry you at a time like this, but your husband had a policy with us for $50,000. You're very prompt in paying your policies. It's not quite like that, Mrs. Goldbright. I'm an insurance investigator. When a big claim like this comes along, the company naturally investigates it before they pay. Perhaps you'd better come inside, Mr. Hunt. It's not very comfortable here on the doorstep. I don't quite understand the need for any investigation, Mr. Hunt. Mrs. Goldbright, your husband died two days ago. He was insured for a large sum of money. Therefore, the company has to be sure there's been no... 
foul play. You mean they want to be sure my husband died of natural causes and wasn't murdered? You could put it that way, I suppose. The police are satisfied he died of natural causes? That's half the battle. The other half being to convince you, I suppose. Well? I think the best thing you can do is stay here, Mr. Hunt, at World's End, until you've completed your investigation. That's very kind of you. Not at all. It would be impossible for you to work from the mainland, and the sooner it's finished, the happier both of us will be. Of course. you better come and meet the others. Then we'll have dinner. This way, Mr. Hunt. They're all in the living room. She led the way down the cold, stone-paved hallway into a large room with polished wood floors, which contained five people. Four men and a woman. Just a moment, everybody. I want you to meet Mark Hunt. He's an insurance investigator. This is my brother-in-law, Clem Goldbright. Hello. Clem was about 30 or so, dark, slim, dissipated, crooked grin and a sneer in the eyes. This is John Cross, an old friend. Hi there. Cross was rugged, looked the good-natured college athlete type. Roger and Mavis Beavis. How do you do? Hello. Beavis was fat and 40, rimless glasses, a successful businessman. Mavis was a redhead with a ravishing figure. Every time my husband looked at her, he got a stupid look on his face. I didn't blame him. And this is Michael Degrescu. Delighted, Mr. Hunt. Degrescu had a foreign accent. The name was Romanian. He looked smooth and suave and probably shrewd. Well, now that you've all met, I'll do something about drinks. An insurance investigator, eh, Hunt? Checking on my brother's death? It's just routine, Mr. Goldbright, with any large claim. In other words, it's a case of did he fall or was he pushed? Graham, that's no way to talk in front of Lila. Why not? She probably gave three cheers when she found him on the jetty. We all know their marriage was a mistake. She made the mistake. She married him because she thought he'd spend all his money on her, and he didn't. Clem always puts things so beautifully. Here's your drink, Mr. Hunt. One of these days you'll get a crack on a jaw for talking like that. Ah, such a rugged character, our Mr. Cross. The guy who never got past college, physically or mentally. Please, that's enough. Mr. Hunt will think we're a bunch of lunatics. It must be an interesting career, Mr. Hunt, being an insurance investigator. It's just a job, Mrs. Beavis. Pretty ordinary most times. Sounds rather sordid to me. At least it's a job, Clem. Something you wouldn't know anything about. We each take life as we find it, Mavis. Me with my brains, you with your looks. Now, look here, Clem. Mavis married you for your dough, Roger boy. And we all know why you married Mavis. Oh, that's the gong for dinner. Let's move to the dining room, shall we? We got through the soup, the meat, the apple pie and cream without any more of the barbed comments. Then we adjourned back to the living room for coffee. While Mavis put on some records and the others organized a game of bridge, I found myself left with the Romanian Michael Degrescu. Are you interested in art, Mr. Hunt? Uh, one specific kind, sure. <laughs> what kind is that? Leg art. Ah. Uh, you mean the cheesecake? Mm -hmm. I was referring to something else. Myself, I'm a collector of everything and anything that is beautiful, from women to paintings. The paintings in this room, for example, very fine. I offered Henry a hundred thousand dollars for them. He refused. I'm hoping Lila will feel differently. Well, good luck. I think I will have it. It was a sin that a woman like Lila should have been tied to Henry. I hope to add her, too to my collection of beautiful things. I got the impression that John Cross was in the running there. Puh, Cross. A moron with muscles. She will have more sense than that. What the... Mavis, please. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to put that on. I didn't know it was with the rest of the records. Stupid, A bad faux pas. That was Henry's favorite music. Beethoven, the Coriolanus Overture. I don't like it myself. It was playing the other night when it happened. Oh. I think poor Lila associated with Henry's death. Yeah. That was careless of Mavis. Careless. Or oh, deliberate. 
Everyone went to bed around 11. The room I'd been given was upstairs overlooking the water. A sheer drop of 50 feet. It had started to rain, lashing against the window as though it was trying to break in. I was sitting having a last cigarette when there was a soft tap on the door. I opened it. Mrs. Goldbright stood there. I couldn't help thinking that Goldbright was a good description of her hair. Could I talk to you for a moment, Mr. Hunt? Sure. Come in. Ah, cigarette. Thank you. Thank you. Must have been quite an experience for you, meeting our little group this evening. That's an understatement. There's certainly a bunch of characters. Clem was quite right, you know. The burning question is, did he fall or was he pushed? I'd like to know the answer to that myself. Where were you when it happened? In my room. Henry and I had separate rooms. The first thing I heard was his shriek as he fell. You think someone could have pushed him? They all had good reason to. So did I, if it comes to that. Henry was a good deal older than I am. He wasn't exactly a nice person. I'll be frank, I married him for exactly the reasons Clem stated. Clem himself has only a yearly allowance, but part of the estate reverts to him on Henry's death, so he had good reason to kill him. John Cross imagines he's in love with me. I've never encouraged his feelings, but he could have thought that with Henry out of the way, I might feel differently. Michael Dagrescu... Explained himself to me tonight. What about the Beavis couple, Roger and Mavis? Roger's making a fortune, marketing gadgets. He's the driving force, but Henry put up the money. Recently, Henry took a dislike to him because he married Mavis. I think Henry decided to withdraw his capital. Roger has staked everything he has on a new project. I know that at this juncture, the withdrawal of Henry's capital would ruin him. Hmm. So everyone had a good reason for wanting to see Henry die. Yes, including me. I had no love for Henry. And with his death, I'll presumably inherit his money. I'll know tomorrow. The lawyer's coming to read the will. Why tell me all this, Mrs. Goldblatt? I don't know. Just seems to help having someone like you in the house, Mark. May I call you Mark? Surely, Mrs. Goldblatt. Please call me Lila. And if you don't mind, I'll talk to you again. Might help me to keep sane. Anytime, Lila. Thanks, Mark. I think I'm going to like you. A lot. She left and I turned in. To the accompaniment of the wind and the rain beating against the house, I fell asleep. Suddenly I was awake. Something coming from below, faintly from downstairs, had aroused me. The Beethoven music. It sounded eerie and terrifying in the night. There was something else, a voice, a whisper, weird and toneless in the room. effort, I stretched out my arm for the bedside lamp and switched it on. But there was no one there. The room was empty. Mm-hmm.